You're listening to Deliberate Living, a podcast that inspires, empowers, and encourages listeners to live life more authentically. My name is Holly Priestley, and I'm a full-time nomad and creator who has been living in my 1997 Ford van since January 1st of 2019. I travel the United States with my dog, learning how to live with more authenticity. I explore different ways people choose to ditch the prescribed life we've all been sold and live on their terms, finding freedom and happiness however they choose. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Deliberate Living Podcast. I am your host, Holly Priestley, and this week I'm going to dive into something that's maybe a little bit uncomfortable, but is a theme that I see coming up a lot right now, not only in my life, but in the lives of a lot of my friends. Um in person and online. And uh, it's something I get asked about pretty frequently, but I'm not ever really sure how to answer it. And so I wanted to try and put all my thoughts down, um, you know, into words, into podcast, into a video, um, to try and collect them all in one place. And hopefully they'll help somebody else out there. This is by no means, you know, an exhaustive list or a very expert opinion on the subject, but it's my experience and my best advice to anybody else. Um, and so that topic is how to do things alone. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's been a growing process for me over the last few years, um, starting to do things alone. And now I find that I really enjoy doing things alone the vast majority of the time. Sometimes I still struggle um, like most people do. So that's what we're going to dive into today. And before I get started, I just want to remind everybody that I am so, so, so grateful for each and every one of you, everyone who has ever downloaded and listened or watched or read, liked, subscribed, commented, whatever on this podcast, because this is an audience supported show. I do not have sponsors. I don't do annoying ad breaks. I don't do any of that stuff. Um, because I don't like listening to it on my favorite podcasts and I always just skip through those anyway. And so I don't want to offer them to you guys, but in order for me to keep this going, I do need the audience support. And so I'm grateful for everybody who has ever done any amount of support for the show. Like I said, the liking and the commenting and the subscribing and the sharing with your friends and family and anyone who you think could benefit from an episode is really, really helpful. It helps the algorithm see us and it helps us get in front of new eyes. The other way you can support the show that is also incredibly helpful is to help offset some of the financial costs that go into creating the show. It's not free to produce, but I enjoy producing it and so that's why I keep doing it. But if you want to help offset some of those costs, I have a PayPal and a Venmo linked in the description box below. And I also have a Patreon if you want to get some behind the scenes action and maybe even some snail mail in your in your mailbox. So go ahead and check those out if you're interested in continuing to support the show. And without further ado, let's go into how I got comfortable doing things alone. Because it wasn't really a natural thing for me. One thing that I hear all the time based on, you know, my lifestyle of traveling alone with my dog and just hiking alone or doing anything at all alone is, you know, I could never do what you're doing all by myself. Like, don't you ever get lonely? And I couldn't do anything alone. And to be honest with you, probably five years ago, maybe even more recently than that, I couldn't either. I have a lot of social anxiety and it was so bad for me that I couldn't even like go to the grocery store alone. I could not bear to go get food for me to eat by myself. So moving into a van by myself was 
something I really wanted to do was move into a van, but I didn't know if I wanted to do it or even would be able to do it alone. And so over the last few years, I have taken a lot of deliberate and accidental steps towards doing things by myself and getting comfortable doing that. So first off, why would anybody really want to do things alone in the first place? Doing things alone seems kind of odd, at least some of the time, <laughs> like some specific activities some of the time when people are doing them alone, it seems kind of strange. We're raised, especially in our culture, to do things together, to do things as a family, um, as friends, as partners, as a team, whatever it is. Um, we're doing things alone is just not really all that commonplace in our society. But there are a ton of benefits to doing things alone, whether these are things that you want to do alone or things that you kind of have to do alone. You know, that feeling of like independence and freedom, confidence and capability, as well as like just the logistical efficiency of doing something by yourself when you're ready for it, when you need it, versus waiting for somebody else who can align schedules with you. It's just doing things alone is very empowering, both like mentally and just logistically in life. If you're always waiting for somebody else to do something for you and with you, you might be waiting a long time for some things. So doing things alone is excellent. So when I say my social anxiety was really bad, I mean it was really, really, really bad. So how does somebody go from like that life where considering doing anything alone as like a terror, an actual terror, to living more or less free as a bird with no one else to lean on but herself and regularly doing all kinds of things alone? Like how, do, how did I make the shift? And honestly, it was a really, really slow process. It started out well before I moved into the van. It was not just all at once, I'm moving into a van, I better get comfortable doing things alone. I had to start out really, really small. Like I said before, going to the grocery store in particular was really hard for me. And most of the time I had roommates or partners who could go to the grocery store with me or for me and I wouldn't necessarily have to go and I certainly wouldn't have to go by myself. But the last apartment that I lived in before I moved into the van, I lived all alone, just me and the dog. And the dog is a huge component in, uh, in this process of, of learning how to do things alone, for sure. So maybe it wasn't totally alone. Maybe the dog was my plus one. So when it came to going to the grocery store, like I knew I couldn't take her in with me, but I started taking her in the car when the weather allowed for it, of course, otherwise I wouldn't even go to the store. So when the weather allowed me to bring the dog with me and leave her in the car while I was in the store, I would do that. And I would have her in the car so that I could go shop inside in the store with all the people knowing that there was somebody waiting for me in the parking lot. And these trips took like a maximum of like 15 minutes, including driving to and from the store. And that just seems kind of silly, right? Like I could have walked to the store, you know, I could have ridden a bike to the store. I, you know, if I was going to drive and like buy a bunch of shit, like why bring the dog on a 15 minute trip? But it made me feel a lot better just knowing like driving with her makes me feel good. And then knowing that she was out in the store out of the store in the car waiting for me was huge and 
also, a lot of these times, I wore an earbud in one ear listening to music while I shopped so that I could focus better on what I needed to buy and more easily ignore like other humans in the vicinity. That really helped. I would recommend that whether you have a dog in the car or not. Like I said, I started pretty small. A dog in the car, an earbud in the ear, and that was about it. After some weeks of like practicing this, legitimately and deliberately practicing being able to go places alone, I started doing it with different kinds of chores, different kinds of errands, and you know, like dogs are always welcome in the hardware stores and like plant nurseries, and I could take her to the mechanic with me, she could go to pet supply stores, and a lot of the breweries around were dog friendly or had dog friendly patios, and I found that having her with me helped a lot. Just knowing that she was there with me helped me face other humans, and unsure situations that made me nervous. And I realized that this is a huge privilege, having a dog and being able to take that dog, you know, who's well enough behaved and I lived in a dog enough friendly city um, that that worked. But, you know, for those of us who don't have pets and for those times when pets aren't welcome, I had to use different tools. And I have to offer you guys different tools, of course. And like I said, having headphones so that I could listen to music helped. Taking my laptop to a cafe or to a brewery to do work and have quote-unquote something to do helped take the edge off like having a book or a notebook or anything like that and so when I was putting myself in these situations where I was deliberately trying to be someplace alone and feel comfortable in it having something to do (laughs) made me feel a little bit better but I was still like out of place and like anxious feeling and I felt like I was really conspicuous and like people were totally watching me and judging me for like being alone But I made myself do it anyway. I made myself get out of my comfort zone and be uncomfortable anyway. Sometimes I would text friends. I'm actually, I'm going to link to one of these stories um, in the description as well. But one time I was in this cafe and I just felt immediately so, so, so out of place. Everything went wrong. I felt like all eyes were on me making all the mistakes. And I texted a girlfriend and I told her the whole thing. And she laughed along with me and, and, you know, she was multiple states away, thousands of miles away, but it just made me feel better, like even to have somebody to text, even if they weren't there with me and I had to leave the dog in the van. Those things, they still happen to this day. But the small steps really did start to add up. I remember the very first time I took myself on a hike alone, I really just wanted to be the kind of person who could hike by herself. Like that seemed like a really cool lady to me, the one out there hiking by herself. And I just was not that woman, not even a little bit. So after I had done months of work trying to get myself comfortable with doing things alone, I challenged myself to take a solo hike. I did way too much research. (laughs) I picked a trail that was about an hour drive from my house, um, and the trail itself wasn't very long, but it was supposed to be beautiful, and it looked like a really easy, like, beginner being alone trail. The entire drive from my apartment to the trailhead I was like white knuckling the steering wheel. I was just a complete ball of nerves and I tried to calm myself down by saying things out loud that I was grateful for. So I'm driving along like I'm so grateful that I can drive my car all by myself to this trail. I'm grateful that I can hike. I'm grateful that I can hike alone. Like the whole hour was me talking to my steering wheel and the dog of course about all the things I was grateful for because that was supposed to help you feel better. And it kind of worked. Like, I didn't feel elated by the time I got to the trailhead, but I got to the trailhead. I didn't turn around. 
and go home with my tail between my legs. And so like pulling into the trailhead, the nerves didn't stop there either. It was kind of crowded. And so finding a parking spot was a little bit of a challenge. But then even once I landed a spot, I sat in my driver's seat for a long time, like darting my eyes around, looking at everybody who was there with their other humans that they were hiking with and like trying to look like I was interested in something on my phone that was happening, even though I didn't have any service at the trailhead anyway. I just knew again that everyone there like knew I was alone somehow because they can all read my nervous mind. I don't know. And also nobody cares, but I just knew that I was being judged for being that weird lady, like hiking by herself, that I was being judged for being solo, even though my goal was to go there and be solo because I admired the people who could hike solo. It was, it was a weird thing that my brain did, and I'm sure other people's brains do this too, because anxiety is real. So I just kept kind of moving through it and going through the motions. I laced up my boots, I leashed the dog, and we walked down the trailhead. And the awkwardness really continued for like the first mile or so, maybe a mile and a half even. And at one point, I hopped off the trail uh, so that Lisa and I could go down to some boulders to get to the water's edge. The trail was following a river. And on that tiny little detour off the trail and to the water, like something really started clicking and like changing in my brain. As I rock hopped myself over the boulders uh, to get to the water, I had a, a ping, <laughs> you know, that's, all, that's the best way I can describe it. It wasn't a waterfall. It wasn't like a huge awakening. It was just like this tiny little ping in my chest that was like capability and accomplishment. Like I realized I didn't need someone else there to like guide the way or hold my hand or, you know, any of that. Like I didn't need somebody else there to navigate off trail to the river, like I was doing this by myself and like I was doing okay and I was okay doing it. I didn't get hurt. I didn't fall down. I didn't pick a bad path or anything. Um, and so I, I got this little ping of like self-trust and capability. And so I sat by the water for a while and I kind of like contemplated this new potential reality that was in front of me and what it might mean for me in the future. Um, and absolutely what it meant for me in the past. How much of my power was I like keeping a lid on by like giving my power to somebody else? Like if I can hop these rocks by myself, an incredible feat for any six-year-old, much less like a lady in her late 20s at the time, what else can I do alone? It just like opened up all new doors. And it made me see all the times in the past where maybe I've given too much power to like my partners or my friends or my family or like too much responsibility for them to like guide the way and make sure everything was fine. And I was not like stepping into who I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. And like, seriously, it was the smallest little thing. I took myself on a hike after months of getting comfortable being alone. It doesn't sound like a lot. But I think for those of us who have this kind of anxiety, it's like a huge process to get to that point. And then something as small as taking a little detour made me kind of realize, like started breaking apart that reality and opening a new one where I could do things on my own. And I can't say that like all my social anxiety and fear of do th doing things alone went away overnight. You know, it definitely didn't. But like 
that drive back to my apartment after that hike was like overflowing with like pride and a new sense of like self-sufficiency and that was amazing and from that point I was able to start hiking alone regularly I took my first camping trips alone about a month or so after that um, and I overcame those nerves too and those that was a whole new ball of nerves um, and I was turning into a pretty solitary machine and I loved the freedom and the confidence uh, it gave me to like try more and more things. And again, to be clear, I was still getting nerves and anxiety. And I do to this day, like earlier today, I was nervous to do things alone. But the more I do things alone, the more I like carve that track in my brain that I can do things alone, that I can move through the nerves and the fear and the anxiety to do it. And so by the time I was ready to move into a van about a year later, I knew that I could, especially with my dog by my side, because let's be real, she is a huge support system for me. But it took small steps. It kind of took a long time. We got there eventually, though. I want to distill this into a few things for you to keep in mind when you're learning to do things alone. A thing of the first, no one else cares if you're alone. I felt like I was this super obvious like specimen of awkwardness because I was doing things alone but pretty much nobody else cared nobody else cared in the grocery store that I was shopping alone nobody cared that I was hiking alone occasionally people will ask me if I'm hiking alone especially with the van are you vanning alone are you camping alone are you traveling alone yes but in general people don't care about you they care about themselves and uh more often than not, I've also found that when they do ask if you're doing something alone, they are usually really excited and they want to congratulate you rather than like wondering what the heck is wrong with you. Like, why is this weirdo doing things alone? The second tip is to remind yourself that you can always leave whatever situation you're in and ahead of time, plan out an escape route. This is something that I do all of the time. And I rarely ever actually use. I almost never leave a situation early and I almost never use my escape routes. But just having the peace of mind of knowing that I can and that I know how to gives me a lot of like calm and ability to sustain an uncomfortable situation. So remind yourself that you can leave and have an escape route planned if necessary. The third thing. Remember that old adage that, like, parents told us about, like, snakes and spiders and stuff when we were growing up, that they're more scared of you than you are of them? People are pretty much the same way. Like I said before, no one cares much that you're alone and doing things alone. What they care about is what you are thinking of them. And so people are so much less likely to be judging you in whatever activity you're doing than they are wondering if you're judging them. So keeping that in mind really helps me, like, dull down the voices in my head that are shouting at me about what a friggin' weirdo I am. The fourth thing I would recommend is to spend some time observing the benefits of doing things alone when you're alone doing those things. When I wanted to go hiking but couldn't find someone with the same schedule or hiking goals, I could still go alone. If I wanted to go see a show or go to a gallery or an event but couldn't find a plus one and I couldn't take my dog, I could still attend the thing on my own. I don't necessarily need anybody else. By doing things solo, you don't have to compromise 
for anyone else. You don't have to reschedule for someone else. You don't have to wait on anybody else. You don't have to manage the emotions or the timetable of another person. And you get to do what you want to do in the way that you want to do it as long as you want to do it. And then you can go home. And that is pretty fantastic. That whole going home thing at the end of whatever event you're doing. The next thing I would recommend is to allow yourself to open the door to new connections. Once you're more comfortable doing things alone, you can start making new connections while doing it. And this is a really great way to meet new people, make new friends who already have similar interests as you. So like I said, once you're comfortable doing things alone, start opening doors to new people. Compliment an outfit you really like, or ask the barista how her day is going. Ask for someone's experience on the hike that you're going to be going on. Or, you know, if somebody has a cute dog, ask to pet the dog. Or ask for a recommendation of someone's favorite local brewery or boutique or whatever it is that you're into. Like I've said before, so many people are so much more concerned with what you think of them that you opening the door with a compliment or a question or something of that nature, you're giving them the gift of connection that, that you both probably want. And so it's a really win-win opportunity. Not everyone's going to take you up on it. Not everybody you meet is going to become your new best friend. And that is okay. Again, this is another layer to the process of being comfortable doing things alone. And the last thing that I want to remind everybody of in this episode, and really in every episode I ever do, is that you are always, always more capable than you think you are. Just because you've never changed a tire doesn't mean you can't or won't figure it out. Just because you've never traveled across state or country lines alone doesn't mean that you are unable to, especially in America. I realize that other parts of the world might be different. Just because whatever it is that you want to do is scary and nerve-wracking and anxiety-inducing doesn't mean that you aren't strong enough to persist through those feelings anyway. You are fully capable, and you are completely worth it, and I want everybody who's listening, watching, reading to know that. And so these are just a few of the steps that I've taken to get comfortable doing things alone, to really come out of a significant social anxiety and into a place where I can live alone on the road, hike alone, camp alone, do anything I want by myself. I hope that this will help some of you start opening the doors to your own capabilities, to your own desires, to your own deliberate life. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm so glad that you guys are all here. Thank you so much for making it to the end. Like, subscribe, comment, donate, um, and tune in next week for another excellent episode. Bye. We've reached the end of this episode of Deliberate Living. You can find the show notes and everything we referenced over on my website at www.hollycpriestley.com. And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube where I also publish weekly blogs and other informative videos. You can come join my Patreon community and get behind the scenes and bonus content as well as postcards, stickers, and whatever else I choose to create. I'll see you next week on Deliberate Living. And until next time, keep your life on the deep.